You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, you know, it's much more difficult to exhale than mm. it is to inhale. Like when people try to expand their lung capacity, they think they always want to be able to inhale better. Mm. But actually, it's more difficult to exhale. Right. And that's why in yoga breathing, we always accentuate the exhalation. You know, we, we inhale, maybe count to four, but then we exhale twice as long. Mm. A lot of people have problems with that, especially nowadays. You know, if you've had COVID or, you know, you might have problem breathing. So more and more, I'm starting to work with sound. You know, so if you think about it, if you take a breath and you try to exhale, mm-hmm. right? So just take a deep breath and exhale through your nose. Okay, but then what if you're using sound? You see, you can exhale much longer. Hmm. I mean, think about it. Take a deep breath. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience the joy of being alive. In today's episode, 
I chat with Swami Sharanananda about techniques, mindsets and practices that will help you enhance your meditation and your breathwork practice. So if you like this topic and if you'd like to support us, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button or hit the follow button if you're on Spotify, because doing so allows more people to come across our episode and it helps us grow. So if there's one thing you can do right now to support us, make sure you hit the subscribe button, especially if you're on on your iTunes uh, device, because that's going to make me really happy. Now, before we actually start today's amazing episode, I want to read you an iTunes review, which I'm very proud of, by a listener named Rebecca on iTunes. And she says, inspirational podcast. I found AJ on a podcast this past weekend. I've been asking how I could go about learning more about my path when I stumbled upon one of his podcasts. After listening for a few minutes, I knew I was supposed to find him. I've been listening every day since and I can't get enough. He makes things so simple for me to understand and accept. I grew up fundamental Christian and I could not stand the fear that came along with it. Um, and I knew there must be more. So I started on a journey of discovery. Thankfully, it was I was guided to AJ and the My 7 Chakras group. I only wish I could process faster so that I can listen more. I'm learning and having amazing revelations every time. Thank you so much, AJ, for your service. It has definitely helped me in ways I didn't even realize. So if you'd like for me to read out your review as well, then make sure that you write us an iTunes rating and review. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash review. my7chakras.com forward slash review. And with that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Swami Sharada Nanda. So Swami is an internationally renowned yoga and meditation teacher who inspires you to want to practice. Her classes and books are practical as well as theoretical in nature and always enlightening. She has authored the books Yoga Mind and Body, Relax and Unwind with Yoga, Chakra Meditation, the Essential Guide to Chakras, The Power of Breath, Mudras for Modern Life, and The Cleansing Power of Yoga. Her upcoming book, to be published in June, is Sitting Comfortably, Preparing the Mind and Body for a Peaceful Meditation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And in addition to teaching and writing, Swami has spent extensive time doing personal practice in the Himalayas, and she also holds an MA degree in Traditions of Yoga and Meditation, from the SOAS, School of Oriental and African Studies, University of London. So, Swami, welcome back to our show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, so great to have you here. And for people who are uh, new to our podcast, this is the second time that Swami Sharadananda has decided to join me on my show. And the last time was a couple of years back, but you know, time flies by so quickly. And uh, I usually start these episodes by going back to the source or maybe your uh, beginning of the experience that we call human life. But where were you born and brought up, Swami? Well, I'm from New York originally, and I grew up there. But I live in London now. I've lived in London for about 30 years. And I've lived all over as well. I've lived in India, I've lived in Germany, different places. And what was your childhood like, the first, uh, you know, five years maybe? What was it like? Um, 
I don't know, sort of a middle-class American childhood, you know, in New York, inner city. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to the suburbs. But very normal, I think. Yeah. And what role did your parents play during those formative years? Were they spiritual? Did they know about things like yoga, meditation? And what sort of influence did they play in your life? Well, I mean, my parents didn't know anything about yoga, but Mm. they had their own spiritual tradition. I think my father was, his spiritual practice was never hurt anyone, be kind. Mm. That was his spiritual practice. Wonderful. And so then how did you stumble upon spirituality Uh, as a child? Did you have any of those experiences? Well, I always had a thing with, I always wanted to go to India. Okay. And I don't know why, because I grew up in Brooklyn. I didn't know anyone who had ever been to India, but I just always had this idea that I wanted to go. And I remember I used to talk about it and think about it, read books about it, see films that uh, from India. Um, so maybe, of course, some past life. I was there. Wonderful. Yeah, I didn't find yoga. I didn't start practicing yoga till I was about 20. Mm. And I was actually just looking for some kind of physical exercise to do. And um, I saw this ad in the newspaper and I thought, okay, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Which year was this? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I do. I was. I started practicing in 1967. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was quite. Um, I was quite ill as a child. Okay. Because I had polio when I was four years old, mm-hmm. and I was actually paralyzed for a year. And the doctors told my parents I'd never be able to walk. Mm-hmm. And my mother used to say the reason I could walk was I was too young to understand the doctors. So I just kept trying. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it speaks to the, um, you know, there's this concept called placebo, right? But there's also this concept called nocebo. In other words, if somebody does not tell you that that is not possible, then the mind will automatically assume that that is possible. Like in your Mm -hmm. case, you could, you know, you just walked because nobody told you that you're not supposed to walk. Right. Mm. Right, especially if you've been able to do it and you don't understand that now you can't do it. Yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah, because, you know, right now, as we were discussing before, this uh, interview, my mom is in the hospital with COVID. And so there are these all these preconceived notions about what a person can or cannot do after they come out of the hospital, right? And so I'm trying to not depend on what I hear, but just, you know, um, use the power of my imagination and the power of my mind and also, you know, uh, work with my mom in some way or form uh, maybe energetically, so that she's able to come back to normal, but also maybe go beyond that, get deeper into meditation and things like gentle breath work to strengthen her lungs, strengthen her heart. Yeah, breath work is a thing that they're finding works the best with people recovering from COVID. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so back in 1969, 
And you said you heard about India, maybe you watched some movies. What is it about India that really fascinated you? What, it, what about it um, magnetized you? Um, I don't know. I just, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who had been there. Mm. But I just, I just had this um, desire to go. And the interesting thing was the first time I went there, I didn't get to go to India until 1977. Okay. And I actually drove overland from Germany with some other people. Um, and when we got to the border, I remember there was this Sikh guard there. And we stopped the car and you know how you roll down the window and you hand your passport. Mm -hmm. And he handed us sweets and he said, welcome home. And that's the first anyone said to me in India. So I always just felt it was my spiritual home. So you took a bus from Germany and you drove all the way down? Is that what happened? No, I took a car. A car. But you went on yeah. land from Germany to India? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, so you must have crossed many amazing countries along the way, sort of like uh, along mm -hmm. the Silk Route. So did you cross Turkey, Iran, yeah. you know, Pakistan, and then into India? Mm-hmm. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Amazing. So that must have been quite an adventure then. Yeah, it was. It took us about a month each way. Okay. And so my question to you is, what was your first job like <laughs> that you sort of took up in your life? I Ever in my life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I used to... Um, I used to work in a supermarket on the weekends and I used to pack, you know, like slice and pack cheeses. Yeah. And I used to put things in the bag. Right. Not very spiritual work, but, um, you know, just simple. Yeah. Um, because I found that if you earn the money yourself, then no one can tell you what to do with it. Yeah. Whereas if you take money from your parents, they can tell you what to do. Yeah. So I think this has been another important realization that, you know, a lot of people take money and then they complain that they, they're asked to do things. Whereas mm. if you earn your own money, then you're free. That's very true. And was this before or after your trip to India? No, this was before. before. I started working, you know, even when I was in school. Mm-hmm. And then going back to your trip to India, what did you discover in India? What was your experience like the first time after the guard welcomed you home? Well, I was already a Swami. I took okay. sannyas um, before I went to India. Mm -hmm. I took it from my teacher, Swami Vishnu Devananda, whose headquarters is in Valmoran in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Um so I had already been practicing yoga for about 10 years by the time I got to India. Mm. Um, and I just felt very much at home when I was there. So did you get an opportunity to sort of deepen your practice whilst in India? Or was it more like a touristy thing where you just went around, you know, met people, learned about the culture? Mm -hmm. Or was it both? Well, the f <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was both. Um, because I went with a group of people from the ashram. 
So okay. we were nine people, and then we had to meet Swami Vishnu Devananda. We had to meet him in Bombay, and he came with a whole group of like 60, 70 people. Okay. So, um, and then we sort of went around the country together. So we actually drove around the country. Okay. Right? And... It was quite a shock the first time, even though I thought I knew something about India. It was still, I found that no matter how much people think they know what India is going to be like, Mm. no one actually knows what it's like till they get there. (laughs) That's very true. I mean, I think it works the other way around also. Because when I was in India, my only goal was to go to the US. I dreamt about it, saw it in movies, and I really somehow wanted to go. And I used to have dreams about it and dreams within dreams about waking up in the USA. But that never happened until I was about 21. And I remember uh, the first time that I stepped out of the airport in, um, this was uh, California, San Francisco. And just the you know gush of wind mm-hmm. made me so happy and the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Right, but to your point, you know, you can never, no matter how much you visualize, imagine, or read about in books or movies, you can't actually know what's the situation in the, uh, in the ground reality, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. So. yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I felt, I think one of my first impressions was that, um, you know, in the West, we're very particular. I'll meet you at exactly this time, mm. exactly this place. Yeah. Whereas in India, people will say to you, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm. And they don't say where or when, and somehow it happens. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's this idea that whatever is supposed to happen will happen. Yeah. And so what other things did you you know, discover in India? during that first trip where you were traveling all around India? Um, I think there was a whole thing about food because, you know, in the West, we always invite people. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, would you like something? Mm -hmm. And it's polite. Whereas in India, they don't ask you if you would like it. They just give it to you. They just give it to you. And it's, it's just this idea of the guest is God. I had heard about it. When I got to India, I realized people really do behave that way. Mm. You know, like if if you're on a train and some more seats, you know, but because you're a guest of the country, everyone will give you space. Wow. You know, and I found that guests are always treated nicely, and especially if you have respect. Yeah. You know, if you dress appropriately, if you act respectfully, you learn like so much about culture. Right? And pe- people really take you in. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, <clears throat> in India, the guest is the guard, the mother is the guard, father is the guard. Right? So you see divinity and sacredness in your intimate relationships, but also in the guest who you potentially might have never met before. But in Indian tradition, God comes in the most unimaginable ways, right? Even if you look at the stories of Ramayana and Mahabharata, sometimes either the God will trick you and might manifest as an avatar and you might not even know. And that's why I guess 
Indians, or at least some Indians are always, you know, wondering, is, is that God? Is that God? Is the, you know? So that's pretty interesting that he noticed that. Um, and by the way, listeners who are listening right now or maybe watching right now, please help us and share this um, stream because it is going to get more and more interesting as we go deeper into this conversation. Now, Swami, you've written that no external thing or person will ever ensure permanent joyousness. So what is your definition of permanent joyousness? And what can help us experience that permanent joyousness? Um, well, I think permanent means what doesn't change. Mm. Right? So normally we think something makes us happy. You know, like I think, well, people think if I just met the right person, if I just got a good job, mm-hmm. If I just get my pension and, you know, I, I pay off my mortgage. But you see, all those things are changing. You know, yeah. um, you're changing. We're all changing. So as long as we think that something outside of ourselves is going to make us happy, mm-hmm. we're only going to be happy temporarily. Mm-hmm. But then what we thought made us happy doesn't make us happy anymore. I mean, if you think about the times where you've been really happy. Mm-hmm. It's always been times where your mind was focused, so focused on something that you don't want anything else. Yeah. You see, like some people think, okay, if I had a chocolate, I'd be happy. You see, you eat a chocolate, and for those, maybe it's just a minute, mm-hmm. you're so focused on that that you feel happy. Mm-hmm. You see, so we make a mistake. We we mistake the trigger for the experience. Mm-hmm. See, so if we stop trying to find the, the trigger that will make us happy, uh-huh. and just go within to the actual experience of focusing the mind, and then we can feel happy. Um, we want to change the external environment. Like a lot of people feel stressed. They think the world is too stressful. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to change the world to be less stressful. But the world's not going to get less stressful. I think actually the world is going to get more stressful. Things are going faster and faster. So you have to change yourself. You have to be able to go within and find the peace within yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to be stressed out all the time. Action Tribe, we're going to take a few moments to thank our sponsors because they are supporting us today. Action Tribe, we are already at the halfway mark of 2021 and have stepped into summer. And with all of this change, I'm trying to be more mindful of my health goals, particularly when it comes to vitamins and supplements. A short while back, I shared that I'm trying out a more personalized and tailored approach to health thanks to the company Careoff. Firstly, Careoff has an in-depth online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help you address your specific wellness goals. I wanted to boost my immunity, improve my skin, and reduce hair fall. So my personalized recommendations included multivitamins, rhodiola for more energy and reduced stress, 
fish oil to reduce inflammation and astaxanthin which is great for skin and you might get a different combination once you take that quiz my package arrived in a cute box that i'm holding right now which contains individually wrapped daily packets containing my supplements that are convenient and easy to use and along with that you get little stickers that feature supplement facts to inform you about your package and a personalized card that says made for aditya the small things make a big difference and this box contains everything that you need for the next 30 days i like that careof is super transparent about the research and the studies which you can find on their website they've got a lot of information over there and they've also written extensively about the ingredients and sourcing so that you can be informed before trying them out in terms of my experience i've been liking the experience i definitely feel more energy my skin is visibly clearer and it's a great addition to my breath work and meditation practice if you've been meaning to take care of your health and ensure proper supplement intake then this is a nice way to get started by making small changes to your daily routine and self care practices and with the 50% off your first order you my friend have nothing to lose to get 50% off your first care of order go to takecareoff.com and enter code chakras50 once again for 50% off your first care of order go to t a k e c a r e o f dot com and enter promo code c h a k r a s five zero once again the link is takecareof.com and the code you need is chakras50 get started by taking the personalized quiz that they have on their website and take the next step towards your health and now back to our episode and once we go so, in you're saying that the joy that we can experience is permanent right because if you think about it one school of thought says you know there are ups and downs in life you know nothing is permanent so i'm just mm-hmm. curious to really understand what is this permanence in joyousness is i i just want to learn more about that yeah i think nothing in life is permanent yeah but i think it's possible to find peace within yourself so right. whatever happens you still feel happy within yourself yeah see it doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you mhm right you're still going to get older you still everyone's going to be sick at some time in their life you still have to pay your taxes and you know do all these things mm-hmm. but you have that inner peace so you can go but you have a different attitude towards it got it and speaking about attitudes and you know your state of being um you speak about the four virtues or the four qualities that bring about greater stability in a practitioner so what are these four virtues oh you mean um like uh my trey karuna yeah i oh okay. exactly yeah 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 uh-huh. yeah so you should feel um peaceful right and friendly have compassion and equilibrium Mhm. You see, so you should feel joyous 
when other people succeed, you should feel happy at other people's success. Mm -hmm. You should feel um, balanced, right, in success and failure. So even if there are negative people in the world or bad things that happen, you don't let it disturb your equilibrium, mm -hmm. right? So for good people, you you, know, you have um, you're happy to be with good people, mm -hmm. but there are negative people in the world, so you don't let them disturb you, mm -hmm. right? You feel when people are happy, you feel happy with them. And when people have negative things happening to them, you have compassion for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are, these are four qualities. So in Yoga Sutra, he calls it the Chitta Prasadana, calming of the mind. Whereas in Buddhist tradition, they call them the Brahma Viharis. Okay. Right, the the um, what do you call it? The vehicles of Brahman. Yeah, it's so interesting that this was written about and talked about thousands of years back, before there was any internet or social media. Because especially these days, with uh, so many different social media platforms and people putting out their best versions, so to speak, and not talking about the challenges and struggles that they're going through. It's very easy to look at somebody, you know, succeed and automatically just at an instinctual level feel bad about your current situation, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm not there. I don't have the perfect family. I don't have the perfect relationship. I don't have the perfect financial condition. But what these virtues are saying that if you notice somebody succeed, then turn it around and celebrate their success. If you notice that they're feeling sad, then use the power of your empathy to have compassion for them. So that's going to really, it totally makes sense that that will lead to greater stability in your ability to focus on your journey, on your goal, your dharma. Right, right. Yeah, it's logical, but actually we usually react the opposite way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Would you call it the lower, um, lower human qualities where we just automatically yeah, tend to go towards, gravitate towards uh, maybe envy or anger or resentment or cynicism sometimes? <laughs> well, I think it's sort of a deep unhappiness within ourselves mm -hmm. that if we were at peace, we would be joyous when other people are peaceful as well. Yeah. Got it. Right? And Whereas, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, when something's missing in your life. Yeah. You want someone, you always want someone to blame. Yeah. I think it's sort of a human thing. So instead of blaming other people, you know, just have compassion. Mm -hmm. Have compassion for yourself also. Mm -hmm. Compassion for yourself to have that initial reaction. And also sometimes that contrast helps you realize some of the goals that you're yearning for and knowing that even though you're not there right now, that you're exactly where you need to be on your journey. So comp like some compassion, some self-love. Yeah. Wonderful. And I know you. the latest book that you've written about is based on your observation of people who want to meditate but have certain challenges or struggles uh, or obstacles that come along the way. So what are some of the obstacles that a person encounters 
when they try to meditate? Well, I think the one, the biggest reason why people who think they want to meditate don't mm. actually do it yeah. is that it's just too uncomfortable to sit. You know, so there's that physical thing of our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, nowadays, you know, we hunch over our computers, we sit in chairs, you know, people have tight hip flexors, you know, they people are becoming more and more round-shouldered all the time because they, they sit at the computer like this all day. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to sit and meditate. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be, you know, um, people would sit cross-legged on the ground for hours, right? So it was no problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, it's very painful. Mm-hmm. So even if you think... You want to do it. I think it's human nature not to really, to sort of put off things that are painful. Mm -hmm. So then we tend to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we could really sit, as Patanjali says, comfortably and steadily, then we wouldn't, then we could sit to meditate. And that's where the title of the book came from. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one verse in the Yoga Sutra. It's it says Asana, Shira, Sukham, Shiram, right? Asana or pose, uh-huh. meaning your pose when you sit for meditation, should be comfortable and steady. So the name of the book is Sitting Comfortably: right? How to Prepare Your Body and Mind for Peaceful Meditation. So I think that's the one thing. The other, I think the other thing that people complain about is they, they claim to have no time. Yeah. Whereas um, I think you have time, everyone has time for what's important if they organize things properly. Mm-hmm. You know, they say if you want something done, you ask a busy person mm-hmm. because they know how to organize their life. So why not organize your life so that meditation is a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like just like you make appointments, like we made an appointment for this interview. We both got here, right? Um, you make an appointment with yourself for meditation and you actually write it down. If you keep a diary or you keep it on your phone or wherever you keep your appointments, you write down your meditation appointment. Mm. And as you start to meditate more. Of course, you feel more peaceful. So you have more time because you're not stressed down. Plus, your mind becomes more focused so that you can work more efficiently. Right? So you save time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people find that when they meditate, they actually need less sleep. Now, I'm not saying that they set the alarm earlier and earlier and get more and more tired. But even if you didn't set your alarm, you would probably find that if you meditate on a regular basis, you actually wake up earlier. Mm -hmm. A lot of people find that instead of needing eight hours a day, they only need six hours and they feel more rested. So if you can spend a half an hour a day meditating, but yet you save two hours, you see, that's a very good investment. So if you understand that, then how can you say you don't have time? 
right? You're putting, you're investing time to gain time mm-hmm. to do whatever it is you want to do. You know, plus you feel happier in your life. Absolutely. And for someone who is watching right now, I see a couple of people who are watching live. Make sure you add a comment. Let us know what your observation is. If you have something to share, we might feature questions towards the end if we have time. So make sure you know that this is an interactive session. And if you can, please share this uh, stream, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, because that will help us get this important message into in front of more people and what we're addressing right now is what are the obstacles that is preventing you from really having an amazing time during your meditation um swami mentioned the physical component which we are going to explore in a short while she also mentioned uh, the time which is something that everyone can relate to you also mentioned you say avoid chasing experiences uh, which sort of resonated with me because when I do my breathwork sessions, I notice that some people have uh, very, um, you know, um, different experiences. Maybe they see colors or geometric patterns. Maybe they feel like a knowingness inside of them. Um, some people feel cold or warm. And some people, uh, they don't have that experience. Maybe they feel a bit more calm. And they tend to compare their experience with one another and feel like, you know, maybe they've done something wrong. Maybe they're not good at meditation. And it seems like you're suggesting the same thing, right? Avoid chasing experiences. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think some people have experiences. Some people see light. Some people hear beautiful music. And I know when I teach a class, if one person in the class starts to talk about their experiences, the other people tend to get a bit depressed. Mm. And they think they're not doing something properly. But I think a lot of times the experiences are, maybe it's just impurities coming to the surface. And actually, maybe the person who's not having the experience is actually the one who's having the better meditation. So I think everyone's different. Everyone's mind is different. Our minds interpret things in different ways. So don't worry about the experiences. You know, it's always this thing people want to know, well, how do I know if I'm making progress in meditation? Mm. Right? Because, you know, you can't have a black belt in meditation or yeah. you know, something. But you can, if you feel happier and more peaceful in your life in general, then you know you're making some progress. Mm. Right? So don't worry about the experiences. That's way true. Because I think because what's happening right now, there's a revolution around the world for quantifying everything, right? Where they're all about biohacking and using different devices to quantify. But the truth is, as you might agree, that meditation or going inside is such a subjective experience. And you can't objectively quantify a subjective experience because it's your experience. So thanks a lot for sharing that uh, observation. One of the things you recommend during this journey is to do a a digital fast, a digital fast. So my question to you is, did you ever realize at some point in your life that you maybe had gotten a bit attached uh, to your phone or maybe to your computer? Because I'm noticing it a lot myself. I, you know, as part of my work, I need to post on social media. I need to post on Instagram. Maybe I need to post on Facebook and on YouTube as well. And I'm doing short videos now. And at a certain point, it does become a bit overwhelming and you tend to notice how um, 
attached you are to the wanting to see the notifications, wanting to see the message from someone. And if you don't get it, you feel a certain way. So what are your thoughts on a, a digital detox? Yeah, I think it's a great thing to do it. Maybe try and do it like once a week. Mm. Or if you can't do, you know, some people say they can't do a whole day. Well, do like a half day or even, you know, do an hour every day. Mm. You know, a lot of people, um, they can't stand silence. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go home and no one's there, people will turn on the television, just have something to accompany them. And I remember reading a, a study, you know, here in the UK, they, they found that 60% of all people actually check their messages before they get out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. See, when you wake up in the morning, your mind is in a very peaceful state. So why not take advantage of that before you start thinking about, you know, what you have to do for today and thinking about your problems? Why not just take some time to be peaceful? You know, so put off checking your messages. You know, maybe give yourself an hour or two in the morning where you don't check your messages. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of times I usually have my phone on silent just because I don't like the constant noise while I'm working. And then periodically, even when I'm working, you know, I just check my phone periodically. You know, I don't check it constantly. Mm -hmm. right? And I know in some of the courses I do, I give that as an assignment, like one week. Right? Just take a day off and fast. Mm -hmm. You know, so just like a, a food fast, you know, do a, a electronic fast. And people who do it find that it, it's very helpful. I can definitely imagine that being very helpful because recently I went on a juice fast and just noticed uh, how dependent I had grown um, to food. I mean, I don't eat food all the time. I skip my breakfast, but even still, going from you know carbs and protein to just going to juice for three days, it really hit the reset button for me. And so I'm looking forward to doing a digital fast and I will keep you updated about what I experience. Um, so, Swami, what is the correct way to sit when doing a meditation? Um, well, you know, in yoga tradition, mm -hmm. we say it's best to sit cross-legged. And there's a reason for it, because we're trying to contain the energy. Uh -huh. You see, when you sit, your legs are stretched out, your energy is going out. You know, even if you're sitting in a kneeling position, your energy is not contained. Now, I know a lot of people do Buddhist meditation where they they sit on their heels. Mm -hmm. But in Buddhist tradition, they don't have pratyahara. It's actually a different technique of meditation. So if you're practicing yoga technique, it's best to sit cross-legged because it really encourages pratyahara. And we're going to talk also, about that, but could you, you know, uh, illuminate a little bit what Pratyahara is for our audience? Yeah, so Pratyahara means withdrawing the senses. And in a way, um, it doesn't make sense the way we, cons 
we perceive the senses in Western culture, because in the West the senses are perceived as being passive. Mm-hmm. Means, why do you hear something? Well, the sound comes into your ear, so you hear it. If that's true, why is it when you're reading a good book, you don't hear someone calling you? Mm. You see, the sound is still coming into your ear, but you don't hear it. Now, the way the senses are perceived in Indian tradition is quite different. The senses are active. Mm. So you don't hear with your ears but your sense of hearing goes out through your ears until it meets some sensation to pick up, some vibration, some sound. Mm -hmm. And then it picks up that sound and it reports back to the mind. You see, so the senses are perceived sort of like um, sonar in a submarine. Mm -hmm. You know, they beam, they send out beams and they hit something and then they report back, they bounce back. So the senses are like that. Your sense of sight goes out through your eyes. It picks up an image, and then it reports back to your mind. You see, many times people sit and think about something. Their eyes are wide open. Something can be going on right in front of them, and they don't see it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's true. You see, there's nothing wrong with your eyes, and they're wide open. You know, if it's just the image hitting your eyes, why don't you see it? You see, it's because your the mental energy is not going to your sense of sight. Mm-hmm. So when you practice pratyahara, we say when you actually sit down to meditate, this is the first thing you do. Is you don't let your senses go out to pick up these sensations. Now, of course, sight is the easiest to do because you just close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Whereas hearing is probably the most difficult because as soon as you close your eyes, all the sounds seem to get louder. Mm. And the more you tell yourself, don't listen to the sound, right? the more you hear it. Yeah. So this is why instead of telling the mind what not to do, in meditation, we tell the we give the mind something internal to focus on. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if we're having problem with hearing, we can give the mind an internal sound. We can focus on a mantra. Right, and that pulls the energy in. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first we want to bring the body into a physical position that's conducive, right? So cross-legged position, also mudra, right? Where we join the index finger and the thumb, chin mudra. Also, you know, when I first went to India and I noticed whenever people would sit to meditate, they would always put a shawl over their head. 
And at first I used to think, wow, this is really strange because it's such a hot place and everyone's putting their shawls on. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that it really helps the meditation. Mm. It really helps Prachahara because you're physically containing the energy right? just by putting a shawl on. Yeah. No, what you're sharing is so so interesting and so relevant because what you're saying is that our senses are not just passive but it is dependent on our awareness whether we are able to make sense of the sense or not because otherwise you know it's just um, you know it's stimulating but it's not registering because your your awareness is somewhere else you're thinking about something else and also implied in that understanding is that if we um are not very vigilant of how where we are focusing then we are oozing out energy from our ears from our mm-hmm. eyes right and and that can deplete us and so right. when we withdraw within you know and and focus on that mantra that you mentioned then in a way it feels like we're cultivating and nourishing energy from within that vitality and by sitting in the right way lotus posture we're ensuring that that energy um now one question i had when we're sitting uh while meditating uh what is the importance of raising your hips slightly higher than your knees in lotus posture yeah so you don't want to sit in lotus posture you just want to sit in a simple cross-legged simple position posture. okay right um but if your knees are above the level of your hips your lower back is going to be rounded. Mm. You see, it's physically impossible to have your back straight if your knees are higher than your hips. Yeah. So you want to raise your hips up a little bit because mm. energy travels up the spine. So you want to have the spine straight, especially the lower spine. So I think this is quite important. Now, I know when I say to to students a lot of times, you know, and they, their knees are sort of way up here and they just sort of shake their heads and no way the knees are going down. But if the knees aren't going down to the ground, the alternative is to raise the hips up. Mm. See, so you can sit on a cushion or you can sit on two cushions if you need to. Mm-hmm. Right? So um one of the first things is to find a position that's comfortable for you to sit to meditate. Okay. Um and if it's absolutely impossible to sit on the floor, you know, some people maybe they they really don't want to or they they actually can't mm-hmm. sit on the ground. Well, then sit in a chair, but it should be a straight chair. Okay. And even sitting in a straight chair, the knees should be just slightly lower than the hips. It can be just an inch. You see, and the feet should be flat on the floor. Okay. Perfect. And the other thing I wanted to mention is and this is something that you've addressed. Um people from time to time not all but some fall asleep while trying to meditate or maybe immediately after. and you've said that you know that's that's not a good thing uh, what are your thoughts on that yeah well if you're sleeping you're not meditating right 
So if you're falling asleep, you can look at why are you falling asleep. Okay. Maybe um, you're not getting enough sleep, you know, so you're just tired. Maybe you're meditating at the wrong time. Mm. You know, some people are morning people, some people are night people. Right. You know, so if you're, a, you're not a morning person and you force yourself to get up and meditate, you're just going to sit down and fall asleep again. Mm-hmm. So if you're really not a morning people, a person, maybe the best time to meditate for you would be in the evening before you go to bed. Then it helps to calm you down, and then you sleep more peacefully. I so I think that's one important thing to look at. Also, um, you know, some people, the rooms are at a good temperature, and maybe before you sit for meditation, just wash your hands and face. You know, um, if you're doing it first thing in the morning, maybe even want to do some asanas, pranayama, before you meditate, so that you're awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is some good advice because I'm a part of a Buddhist group. And sometimes at about 9 p.m. we have a chanting that goes on. And I've noticed that, so this is like a 40-minute chanting. And we're chanting pretty intensively. And as soon as I finish that, I feel intensively sleepy. And my interpretation was that that was that my body is obviously gone from sympathetic to all the way till the end of parasympathetic, because I'm chanting, I'm you know I'm breathing slowly, not fast, and that is allowing my vagus nerve to get stimulated, and allowing me to really, really, really relax to the extent of almost falling asleep. Yeah, but I think a lot of times if you go out, Mm. you're picking up like a lot of different energies. Yeah. And even, you know, if you're in lockdown and you're on the internet, there are a lot of strange energies on the internet also. Mm. You see, if you sit and you meditate in the evening, it's almost like washing your mind out. Yeah. You know, you're letting go of all those energies that you've picked up. And a lot of people feel very peaceful, and then they find they sleep better. Yeah. So, so if you could talk to us about, you mentioned mudras a while back. Um, for someone who's listening right now, what exactly are mudras? And how do we decide what mudra to use during a certain meditation? Any guidance around that? Um, well, mudras are hand gestures. And the word mudra actually means seal. You know, like you seal an envelope or you seal a door so that no draft comes in. Mm -hmm. You want to seal your energy into certain channels. Now, in traditional Chinese medicine, they say that there are seven major meridians, sorry, 14 major meridians in the body. Mm -hmm. And most of them... I know if I, my hand's on your screen. I can see it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, most of them start or finish in the hands or feet. So if you think of the meridians as being like wiring, mm-hmm. see, if you have different wires in each finger, obviously this is connecting one wire, whereas this is connecting different wires. Mm-hmm. You see, so how you hold your fingers... Right? 
determines how. Now, in yoga, the most common mudra we use is this one, chin mudra. Mm-hmm. And we also say that when you have the palms upward, mm-hmm. you're receiving energy. But if you turn the hands downward, you're grounding yourself. Oh. So maybe you need to be, re- you feel like you need inspiration. You can sit with the palms upward. Maybe you're going through an ungrounded period. You know, maybe you're moving house or you're um, changing jobs or, you know, maybe you're just a very ungrounded person. You know, some people, that's their nature. Yeah. Like their minds are, um, you know, in yoga we say they're, they're quite vata, yeah. right? They're airy people. That's their nature. Mm-hmm. So then you can ground yourself by having the palms downward. Um, I know in Buddhist tradition, they use what we call Bhairava Mudra, which is just one hand on top of the other, Mm -hmm. Um, which is bringing the two energies together. We say um, we have two different energies in the body, Ida and Pingala. So we're bringing those two energies together. Mm -hmm. So there are different mudras that... um, know, work differently during meditation. And I think the main reason people choose specific mudras either is they they meditate with a group and that's the way the group does it, Mm -hmm. right? Or they just find it's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think also it has to do with the ratio of your body, you know, your arms to your body and things like that. Mm. Um, any other mudra that you know someone who is listening right now can you know try out during their practice any mudra you know using the finger um, well for meditation um, I think the main mudras that people use are either chin mudra that we mention mm-hmm. or when we have the palm down we call it jnana mudra mm-hmm. we have where the hands are together I don't know if you can see these. Yeah, I can see okay, now. So one hand is on top of the other. Yeah. We call it Bhairava Mudra. Okay. Or we can have the thumbs together. Mm-hmm. We call it Dhyana Mudra. Dhyana mm-hmm. means meditation. Right? Okay. Some people like to have one hand up and one hand down, so you bring yeah. them together. Mm-hmm. We call this Ganesha Mudra. Ganesha Mudra. And what is this for? Um, well, I think it's a combination of inspiration and grounding. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, Ganesha is the remover of obstacles. Mm-hmm. So if you find you have a lot of obstacles in your life, you might try using this mudra for meditation. Wonderful. It sort of reminds me of the yin and the yang, in a way. You know? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cool. And then um, this we call yoni mudra. Mm-hmm. You see, so you interlock the fingers, mm-hmm. and then you release the index pointing down, yeah, and the thumbs pointing up. Okay. 
So the thumb has to go up. You've got to point it forward. Thumb has to go up. Okay, this way? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So we say this brings the two hemispheres of the brain together. Okay. Yeah. So I think those are the main mudras that people use for meditation. Amazing. There are a lot of other reasons why people use mudras. People use them for healing. They use them, of course, in Indian dance. They use a lot of mudras. Um, they use them in um, r- different rituals, you know, like in puja. Mm-hmm. They'll do... They'll use different um, mudras. Um, in yoga, we use different mudras to channel the energy in different ways. But I think for meditation, it's the ones that we mentioned. So I've actually written a whole book. Yeah. Right? Which is about different mudras. Yeah. And I don't know who your artist is, but... Yeah, the, you know the drawings are really good. The 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 oh, thank you. The graphics. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, going along the lines you've spoken about mudras, I want to talk about asana now, the physical practice of uh, asanas. If the ultimate goal of yoga is to reduce the constant fluctuations of the mind, then what uh, role does the physical you know, practice can, I, can I just go back to mudras for a minute? Because yeah, yeah. I see there's a question. Yeah. Someone's asking about a mudra for compassion. For compassion. And this yeah. is one of my other favorite mudras, right? Yeah. So this is called Hridaya Mudra. Right? Hri means heart and daya means compassion. Mm. Right? So if you take your hand and you roll the index finger in next to the thumb, Mm -hmm. and then you bring the thumb to the middle and uh, ring fingers. Okay. And the little finger is just straight. And then rest the hands on the knees or Mm. the thighs. So that's another nice mudra. So I just noticed that question as we were thinking. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Uh Uh, Someone says he's listening while camping. Yeah, living dead girl (laughs) says. (laughs) Sorry. So what were you asking me a question before I interrupted you? I'm sorry. Oh, no worries at all. Thanks for noticing. And... If we get time, we'll answer more questions uh, towards the end for sure. But my question was, if the ultimate goal of yoga is to uh, reduce the constant fluctuations of the mind, right? So what role does the physical practice of yoga uh, or the practice of asanas play in all of this? Um, well, I think when when we practice asanas, Actually, we're trying to control the prana. Mm. Um, Now, if I say to you, control your prana, you're probably going to say something like, uh, okay, where is it? What is it? So if you don't experience the prana, like most people don't feel the movement of prana within Mm. their bodies. So we say start with the physical body, and you put your body into different positions. Mm. You see, if you think about it, each asana, you're putting pressure 
on different points. Right? So we're breaking up blockages in the prana. You know, the mind and the prana are very closely connected. Right? So if the prana is flowing smoothly, mm-hmm. right, then the mind is going to be peaceful. If there are blockages, also we're going to feel... Um, so something is blocking our, our mental capacity. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, every time you do asanas... I always tell students, it's like giving yourself a shiatsu treatment. You're breaking up the blockages in the prana. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if all your reader, your listeners know what prana is. But we can say it's like, um, in Chinese we have qi, qigong, tai chi, work with prana. Mm-hmm. Right, chi is the Chinese word for prana, or in Japanese it's ki, as in aikido, reiki. Right, they they work with prana. Mm-hmm. So it's a subtle energy that moves through your body. It's the energy an acupuncturist or shiatsu person is working with. Right, of course, yogis instead of doing acupuncture, we do asanas. We break up the blockages. So in addition to the physical benefits, you see, if your body is in physical pain, mm-hmm. your mind isn't going to be very peaceful. Yeah. You see, so we want the body to be as comfortable as possible so that we can comfortably live in our own bodies. Right? And we also want the prana to be flowing smoothly. So one of the main ways we do this is through the practice of asanas. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that explanation. And if somebody is listening right now, somebody is watching right now, make sure that you share this um, stream that's happening right now so that your friends, your family can get to know about this. Maybe it's their first time hearing about terms like prana and asana and who knows whose life you're able to change through that. Right. So please share. But um swami in your book you've shared many different poses and stretches that one can do in order to gently move into meditation uh, right Uh, so what are some poses that you know come to your mind right now that somebody can try to be able to more seamlessly you know get into their meditative state um well I think the number one problem that people have when they try to meditate mm-hmm. is that their legs go to sleep, their feet uh, go to sleep. Yeah. So there's some very simple things that you can do before you actually sit down. Um, if you want me to show you now, I, I can actually show you. Only if it's convenient for you. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you I'm can explain it. <laughs> okay. So you just start by um, taking your foot and massaging it. So you want to bring as much circulation as you can to the foot and to the legs. And then you would actually take your foot and rotate it. And then the opposite way. Mm -hmm. And then you do what we call rocking the baby. You put your foot in the elbow and you rock. Okay. 
and then do it on the other side, and then bring the feet together. I don't know if you can see this, actually. I can see that. We can see that. Bring the feet together and just bounce the knees. Mm. So this is just a little routine that you can do before you sit for meditation. And it takes maybe two minutes to do each side. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have that problem with the, the legs falling asleep. Uh, so some people have problems with the hips. Some people have problems with the shoulders. And the problem with the shoulders is getting worse because more and more people are sitting at computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially right now since, uh, you know, some of the gyms are closed or maybe the gyms are mm-hmm. packed so people are at home. And uh, like you pointed out, everyone's on their laptop. A lot of people are working from home, so... Shoulders is a is a concern for sure. Yeah, so just simple things like you can reach behind your back mm-hmm. and hold your elbow with the opposite hand. Okay. See, and you could do this even when you're reading something online, or you know, if you're queuing, standing in line. Um, you know waiting to get into a shop. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of simple things like that that you can do. This episode is brought to you by me, AJ, because I'm offering you a free Breathwork Foundations course. If you've been interested in exploring breathwork and learning about the why behind breathwork, including the science and evidence that makes this ancient practice so amazing, then you got to check out this course. You will discover how to correct your breathing, how to boost your immunity and protect yourself from pathogens and bacteria, what the ancients told us about breath, how to lose weight using breathwork, how to improve sleep, digestion and mental clarity using a simple breathing technique. So come enroll in this free course and learn the basics of breathwork by going to my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. That's my7 is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. And uh, Swami, what are your thoughts on face yoga? Because, you know, in your book, you've Mm -hmm. shared certain, you know, uh, stretches to work our, you know, relax our jaws, work our throat. But also online, I've seen many people talk about face yoga now, where they contort their face in certain ways to stretch and relax and work certain muscles that normally don't get that exercise, right? Uh Um, Yeah, well, I I think it's quite good, but I think it wouldn't really relate to meditation um, other than relaxing the jaw. Right. Right. So you don't want to have tension in your face when you sit for meditation. You don't want to have tension any place. Was called the lion's pose, the simhasana. Could you talk to us a bit about that and what that does? 
Yeah. Well, it's very good. Um, it brings a lot of prana to the throat chakra. Mm-hmm. And it um, enables you to speak more. Um, if you're having trouble, maybe you, um, you have trouble speaking, you have trouble projecting your voice. A lot of people hold a lot of tension here. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing to do. Whether you, you know, some people, well, most of us use our voices a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, I mean, actors, singers, of course, they use their voices a lot. Teachers use their voice a lot. And even in business, you know, if you're doing presentation, you're talking to other people. So I think it's a very good pose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I notice that a lot. Um, you know, sometimes, especially if your throat chakra is not fully balanced or if there's some st- stuck, stagnant energy over here, you might feel like you want to say something, but it's mm-hmm. stuck over here. So are you able to tell us how to do the Simhasana pose? Yeah, well, you would just sit on your knees mm-hmm. and then you sort of... Um, take a deep breath and as you exhale you open your mouth wide stick out your tongue Mm -hmm. and feel as though you're popping your eyes out yeah like that right okay 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 but the hands are on the knees hands are on the knees and you straighten the elbows so that the shoulders actually come up so it's like you're you sit on your heels and it's like a lion sort of springing forward. See, ah. like these are the paws. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's going to make so, a good uh, screenshot for my <laughs> for my mm-hmm. uh, display on YouTube. <laughs> uh-huh. So you, you, you put your shoulders up, right? Like this. Way up like this. And then you... Okay. And then you do, do you make a sound as well? Yeah, so you exhale like a roar, like... <sighs> okay. So people who are listening right now are watching, you can try it out as well. And, and notice how it feels. <sighs> yeah, and if your family thinks you're crazy doing yoga, if they see <laughs> you do that, then they're sure. Got it, got it. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Swami is that you've written that if your chest tends to fold inward as you sit for meditation, there are two interrelated probable causes. The first is that the chest muscles have become too tight as a result of sitting hunched on computers, phones. The second is the shoulder blades and back muscles are likely to become to have become weak or overstretched. So any other tip that we can use to further expand our chest or you know open it? Yeah, well, just you can actually um, clasp your hands behind your back and just stretch the arms out. Okay, that's one. So interlock the hands, and then without leaning forward, just lift your hands as high as you can. Okay. And then release it. And then just shake out your shoulders. Mm. And the other way. So maybe even if you're working in a computer every hour or so, you stop and you do that. Mm -hmm. You just stand up and stretch. 
I love that you're giving very specific, practical steps that somebody can take right away in order to, you know, uh, further increase their mobility, maybe some do some warm-up before a meditation practice ra rather than going straight into the meditation. And uh, you also said that, you know, a few rounds of breath work, pranayama, can be a great way to to get into a meditation, right? So why does pranayama mm -hmm. go so well with the silent meditation? Well, pranayama is controlling the prana, mm. right? And the prana controls the mind. Mm. If you, you can do an experiment right now. Just hold your hand under one nostril and just breathe out normally. And then you hold your hand under the other nostril breathe out. So you probably notice that one side is stronger than the other. And that's changing every hour and a half to two hours. Mm -hmm. See, you can check it. Like sometimes I have students check it like one day, check it every half hour, and then they start to understand their own natural biorhythm. Mm -hmm. So the breath is always changing, except during meditation. The breath is going to be equal in both nostrils. Mm -hmm. So when you do alternate nostril breathing, mm -hmm. it's like you're encouraging the breath to become equal. You're actually, when you breathe in, you're stimulating the olfactory nerve. You know, there's a major nerve just at the back of the nasal passage, which is the shortest major nerve in the body. So the right olfactory stimulates the left side of the brain and vice versa. So it helps to bring the mind into balance mm -hmm. so that um, you feel more peaceful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So Action Tribe, I hope you're getting to know the importance you know, of breath work, especially the alternate nostril breathing to get more clarity, get more balance, feel more relaxed as you go into meditation. And I find that Doing that and then getting into meditation makes the meditation a bit more effortless compared to trying to work with the thoughts, the recurring thoughts in your mind. Because the breathing has a way of calming things down and helping you relax. Now, for someone who realizes the importance of nasal breathing as, a, as opposed to mouth breathing, but wants to cleanse their nose to be able to breathe better through their nose, what advice do you have for them? Um, well, we have an exercise called neti, mm. which is nasal cleansing. Mm -hmm. So you have a small pot. It's called a neti pot with a spout, mm -hmm. and you just put uh, salt water in it, and you just hold your head to the side, and you pour it through, and then you do, blow your nose, and then you do the other side. Mm -hmm. So I do that every morning. I get, I get up, I brush my teeth, I do neti. It's like you clean the mouth, you clean the nose as well. And then you find that you can do the breathing exercises. You know, if you don't do neti, most people are going to find that one side it tends to be more blocked, or some people, both sides are blocked. Right. And if you breathe through your mouth, there are a lot of um, health problems mm -hmm. that you start to have. Especially now, you know, everyone's walking around wearing a mask. Yeah. So, you know, if you're breathing 
through your mouth, you're taking in whatever air is there. You know, whereas if you're breathing through your nose, the air is filtered. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the nose creates the nasal nitric oxide, right? Which is like the first line of defense against bacteria, pathogens. So it's literally killing all those things that are trying to get into your body just by, you know, mm -hmm. you're being able to breathe through the nose. You know, to be honest, I haven't done Nethi. I've not gotten, I've not tried it, but I do want to try it. Maybe this is a reminder for me. I do oil pulling every morning, every night as well. And I really love that practice. I also, mm -hmm. you know, scrape my tongue, which I've been doing since a kid. But somehow there's something holding me back from trying Nethi because I've got a deviated septum as well. So there's a worry that the water might, you know, go inside. Um, and <laughs> but, but, it, but it's safe, right? I mean... In terms. Yeah. Well, there's there's no place it can go. Right. I mean, it can only it can go into your nose. It can go into your mouth. Yeah. You know, it can go down your throat. Yeah. But you close the back of your throat. Oh, okay. You close the back of your throat. Just like when you gargle, you close the back of your throat. Okay. Right. So if you can gargle, you can do neti. Okay. And everyone can gargle. Yes. Right? It's a common thing. Cool. I'll try that out as well. And I will let you know. Um, no. Yeah. But make sure you use salt water. Salt water. Okay. Because your body is a saline solution. So you want to have the water the same salinity as your body. So it should taste like tears. Oh, that's why you do it. Okay. Yeah. And salt is a cleansing agent. Right. Yeah. Salt is an antiseptic. So, um, would you recommend right, Himalayan yeah. salt? Is that is that what you suggest? Well, you can use Himalayan salt. It's a bit expensive. Okay. I think you can get sea salt, fine sea salt, okay. which is much less expensive. I've got sea salt at home, so I can try that out. Now, you've said that Kapalabhati can also help with mm -hmm. you know really cleansing the nose, right? Especially in the morning. And you've also shared some visualization technique for the Kapalabhati. Uh -huh. So could you tell us a bit, a bit more about, you know, Kapalabhati? Yeah, Kapalabhati is the, um, is the purifying breath. So, you know, in yoga breathing, we always focus on the exhalation. Mm. So Kapala body is an active exhalation and then a passive inhalation. Mm. Now you all, everyone knows how to do that. Even if they don't know, they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when I teach Kapala body, I get people to put one hand on their um, abdomen. Mm -hmm. So just above the navel. Mm -hmm. And then just hold the other hand up. Okay, maybe three or four inches in front of your mouth, so closer. And imagine that this is a candle flame. And you want to blow out the candle very sharply. So you see how you pull the abdomen in? So now keep your mouth closed and blow it out through your nose. No, no, no. Not like that. Mm. You see, listen to the difference. 
okay, now that this is what you're doing. Oh. Okay. Accent the exhalation. Not the, just the. Yeah, it's an active exhalation okay. and a passive inhalation. Exhale, like you're blowing out a candle, and relax. Okay. And this um, cleans whatever impurities are in the lungs or in the um, throat. It cleans it out. So it's very good to do after you've done neti. Amazing. Thanks a lot for sharing that and improving my technique as well. People, that is why you need to watch the videos. You need to watch the live streams because in the audio, you don't get the whole experience. Uh, but the videos, we're going to do more demos in the future episodes as well. So you can really improve your technique with masters like Swami, who's been doing it for so many years. Um, Swami, what advice do you have for someone who wants to really expand their lung capacity? so that they're breathing, you know, properly and fully utilizing their, you know, God-given machinery, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, it's much more difficult to exhale mm. than it is to inhale. Like when people try to expand their lung capacity, they think they always want to be able to inhale better. Mm. But actually, it's more difficult to exhale. And that's why in yoga breathing, we always accentuate the exhalation. You know, we, we inhale, maybe count to four, but then we exhale twice as long. Mm. A lot of people have problems with that, especially nowadays. You know, if you've had COVID or, you know, you might have problem breathing. So more and more, I'm starting to work with sound. You know, so if you think about it, if you take a breath, and you try to exhale, mm -hmm. right? So just take a deep breath and exhale through your nose. Okay, but then what if you're using sound? You see, you can exhale much longer. Mm. I mean, think about it. Take a deep breath. Mm. sound you can actually exhale much longer yeah so i think if you want to increase your breath capacity mm -hmm. right, do a little work with sound then you're able to exhale fully once the lungs are empty then the fresh air can come in Um, I read about this this new technique that they're using to um, help people regenerate after they've had COVID. Mm -hmm. It's called ENO breathing. Okay. ENO as in English National Opera, right? Because it was actually a technique developed very recently by the English Opera Company. Okay to help people who have had COVID recover. And what they do is they have people mainly singing lullabies. Okay. 
to increase the breath capacity. So they're using sound to help people to breathe better. So maybe we all just have to sing more. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, when we when you sing, not only like you've alluded to, you're able to relax better and elongate your exhales. But when you when you sing a song, it's sort of it's tapping into your sense of nostalgia, also, right? Especially if you had a music that you used to hear all the time as a kid, maybe the you know the ice cream where you know ice cream truck, what that brings about. It brings brings back fond memories, and sometimes it can change your entire state if you're feeling sad, um, you know, or lonely. An old music or own song will take you back in times, make you feel good again. So that does make sense. That recommendation. Mm-hmm. So, Swami, are there any other ways that come to your mind right now for us to really pratyahara and withdraw our senses, go within? Yeah, I think for a beginner, I usually suggest that they they just focus on the breath. Okay. You know, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone's got a breath. They know where it is. Yeah. Um, when I teach beginners, I always tell them to focus on the breath because for a lot of beginners... A mantra is sort of weird. So just start by working with your breath. Don't even try to control it, but just watch it. Mm -hmm. And then once you can watch it, listen to it. And you'll notice that as you breathe, your breath actually has a sound that it makes. It's like a mantra, but it's the natural sound of the breath. So if you bring your awareness just to the back of your throat, you'll notice that every time you inhale, your breath, the natural sound of breath is so. And every time you exhale, it's hum. Okay, so you're not exaggerating it. You're not making a sound. So it's not ujjayi breathing. Mm-hmm. It's the sound of the breath. Right? And if you think you can't hear it, it means you have to concentrate more. Love that. So thanks, Swami, for sharing so far all these different techniques, ways of doing things, and really helping us enhance the quality of our meditations. What sort of legacy do you want to leave in the world? Um, I don't know, really. <laughs> Um, maybe just said um, I've passed some knowledge that I've gained on to other people mm-hmm. maybe that I've been able to be like a um, an instrument for passing on knowledge to people that maybe to help some people to change their life in a positive way and you have already changed many people's lives, especially on this podcast, because I'm sure there are listeners listening right now are like, wow, I didn't know this. Or maybe I knew this, but I didn't know it in this way. Or maybe I knew it in this way, but now it's a reminder for me to try this once again. So thanks for sharing Action Tribe. I hope you enjoyed today's episode so far. And now you have some clues or some tips to help you enhance your meditation or breathwork practice. There's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now, and most of it feels like it's out of your control. Increased divisiveness, government restrictions and control, people falling ill and sick and people reeling in stress and anxiety and worry and 
and and and sometimes if you are an empath or maybe if you're, if you're an intuitive then it can affect your state of being and can make you feel helpless because you feel like what am i going to do alone by myself and the best way forward is to go within and use the power of your mind and your heart to change your belief system and set the intentions that will transform your outer reality because just as neville goddard once put your world is your consciousness objectified waste no time trying to change the outside change the within or the subconscious impression and the without or the expression will take care of itself so keep that in mind and that, with that we come to the last round for today four questions rapid fire style so that our listeners can take note and take action so what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received um i think just to practice you know people are studying all the time they want to learn all these different techniques and things but then they don't put it into practice so i think even if you do just simple things but you put them into practice and you practice regularly i think that's the most important thing got it and if you could spend one hour with someone who's living or dead who would it be um i don't know okay i, I can nobody comes to your mind right now that's fine and what is that one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening that has improved the quality of your life um well i think doing netty i think that's very important so doing different cleansing exercises and then meditating mm-hmm. so i guess meditation is the most important thing that i do that's really changed my life great and so um how can somebody get a hold of your book especially once it's released because as we speak right now it's april end of april mm-hmm. it's going to be released in june but any any uh, information would be awesome so that our listeners can get to know more well it'll be on amazon okay it's our already listed on amazon if people want to pre-order it oh yeah it's already available on amazon for pre-order we'll have the link up in the show notes so make sure everybody yeah. sitting comfortably this is the book that you need to get because it's explained in such a wonderful manner and it's very practical and swami has written so many books in the past as well so whether you want to know more about kriyas or mudras or maybe just how to sit comfortably and all the things to keep in mind make sure that you get her book which is available on pre-order right now we'll have the link in the show notes and uh, i think you also have audible right you do have audibles available have you uh, i don't not that i know of okay and the maybe the reason why i'm saying that is because all our listeners get one audible free credit uh, just to check out you know these books because you know especially if someone li- likes to listen to a podcast then they might listen mm-hmm. to a book as well um so if you're coming up with an audible then this is maybe a good opportunity for them to you know get your book for free action tribe go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book my7chakras.com forward slash free book to, f- to claim your free audible credit 
and uh, yeah um, thank you so much Swami for coming on our show today talking to us about yoga and all these different techniques that are going to help us enhance the quality of our meditation and taking us one step closer to a human revolution well thank you for inviting me and uh, this is the second time I'm on your show and I've enjoyed both times so thank you very much amazing thank you so much Action Tribe if you have any comments feedback observations go to our website my7chakras.com if you want to contact me directly aj at my7chakras.com more than happy to connect with all of our listeners all of you listening right now thanks we'll end the stream thanks everybody awesome so that's done Thank you so much. Uh, I will reach out to you as soon as it's ready for uploading with a link. But I really appreciate you appearing on my show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. So, how many were there, How many people are actually listening? Is there any way of knowing? So, so during uh, the episode, we had about um, I think four four people listening because for today's episode I did not you know share it with my email address for the live stream uh, I, I just wanted to you know do the recording but uh, a, a lot of people are going to be watching the uh, the video once you know later on for some people who you know prefer to you know watch maybe during a weekday I notice a lot of people come later on and, and once the audio goes live that's when the largest chunk of our you know, listeners will be listening Right. Yeah, because I was just wondering, because, you know, here it's almost three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So <laughs> it seems like I was wondering who is watching in the, in the middle of the night. But of course, it's not the middle of the night for you, is it? No, it's six. It was 5 p.m. when I was, uh, you know, um, when I when we had started recording. Yeah, I was wondering whether it would be a good time for you. I was not sure because I knew it would be super early for you. Uh -huh. um, but I, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, join. So I so appreciate it. Okay, uh, so you send me the link when it's ready. Yeah, I'll send you the link uh, when it's ready, so that we can okay. we can share it and have more people get to know about your amazing work. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Chakras at my seven chakras.com. That is my S E V E N chakras.com. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.